Hey, Tourpreneurs, it's Mitch Bach. And just a quick note before we begin today's episode, Tourpreneur is currently sponsored by Google. We're thankful for their support of our community, and we are offering with them a completely free course helping you unlock the power and potential of Google's Things to Do program, which is specifically helping tour operators add their tours to Google in new ways that gives you new exposure and more direct bookings. To learn more, go to tourpreneur.com slash Google. And as always, show notes, more resources, links to our newsletter, our business coaching community, and so much more are available on tourpreneur.com. Now to the episode. So welcome everyone to the Women in Travel Tourpreneur podcast. Very excited to have a delightful group of women here today to talk about their own experiences um, shifting careers into the, the tours and activities sector. So uh, I think this will be a really interesting one for anyone who's considering that or has recently done that or maybe did it a while ago and just kind of wanted to uh, reflect on the changes that have happened over this, this wild journey. So I would like to uh, first introduce myself. My name is Amanda Walkins. I'm the Managing Director at the Tourism Marketing Agency. And I will pass the mic over to Caroline to introduce yourself. Thanks, Amanda. Hi, I'm Caroline Cotter, otherwise known as Wine Dine Caroline. And I run wine and food experiences in France, particularly in Lyon. Amazing. I still have to come into one of those tours. I'll be there, don't worry. <laughs> and Carol, would you like to introduce yourself? Uh, I'm Carol El Hawari, and I own and manage Mr. and Mrs. Egypt and Literary Tours in Egypt in Egypt. <laughs> Aptly named. <laughs> uh, Zakia, would you like to introduce yourself? Hi, thank you, Amanda. Hi, I'm Zakia Mulawigiri. I run a social enterprise called Invisible Cities based out in Scotland, beautiful Scotland, Edinburgh. Um, and I actually do not come from very far from Lyon um originally so that's funny um mm -hmm. but also run um different locations um and walking tours in manchester glasgow um and york as well and soon to be a few more cities i believe that are in the works and right soon now. to be all over the uk <laughs> yeah <laughs> awesome and mary would you like to introduce yourself yeah thanks amanda uh, my name is mary collins i run a food tour company called blue fern travel in washington dc and also far horizons which does archaeology tours internationally so <laughs> so quite different experiences <laughs> so um speaking of of different experiences you know mary we can actually start with you um do you want to tell us about you know what what your career transition was and sort of how that went for you um, especially now that you've got two different types of, <laughs> of tour operations happening yeah absolutely um so i guess i uh, probably started really with getting i have a master's in public administration um and really that's what led to my first i guess we'll call it career um with the government i worked uh for the federal government for the department of veterans affairs uh focused on like budget strategic planning things like that um and i guess for me i kind of always knew i wanted to start a travel company and um you know it's had many iterations until getting to this point but um essentially kind of through really mentorship which i know we've touched on um in earlier episodes uh but really i learned that you know for me personally um 
it's kind of taught you have to like build that business before you quit your day job. <laughs> and Don't just like take the jump, I think is a little bit contrary to what a lot of people hear. Um, but ultimately, I did it as uh, I would say, I guess, a side hustle until it got big enough that I was able to quit and just run the food tours full time. Um, and I mean, it was it was challenging. I kind of always thought that was the main job and the government was the side hustle. But, you know, it's just kind of how it worked out. It took about five years, though. It was not, you know, super fast moving. Um, but but yeah, that was kind of the transition. And then I was very happy to be on my own schedule and able to wear whatever I wanted. Because that was back when we got to go in the office, which maybe people aren't <laughs> doing anymore. So, yeah. I mean, I, I, I can tell how much you really enjoyed that by the way that you rolled your eyes while saying that you were <laughs> doing budgeting. Like, you, that, was, budget, that was which comes very in handy in this line yeah. of work. But true, true. <laughs> government I budget mean, is a whole different thing. So. Yeah, but, but uh, you know, applicable skill sets that you're learning yeah. from other spaces. I, think I always really joke important. that I really do love spreadsheets. So <laughs> <laughs> can I hire you, please? <laughs> I do color code them. That's too much information, but whatever. <laughs> I love this. <laughs> well, Caroline, have you also done a, a similar kind of transition? Did you have a, a prior career path? Well, I uh, was always in the wine business and in food. So I've been in wine for 15 years and, and I've done a lot of different roles in the wine industry. So I came upon tourism really accidentally. I, I moved to Lyon after, well, for no real good reason. I just was not happy in San Francisco. So I came to Lyon and I tried to get a job in the wine business and there were no jobs for me here. The wine jobs are in wine country, you know, and my French wasn't really that good. And I looked around and realized that nobody was doing wine tourism in the city. And so I was like, well, maybe I'll do that. And, and it was the best decision I ever made. I love working in tourism because your our clients are happy. Mm -hmm. They're on vacation. You know, every person that walks through my door, I do my, I do these wine tastings uh, in my home. Uh, everyone's amazing. I, I get friends for life. I, I thoroughly enjoy it. And it's turned into something, you know, really different. Obviously the pandemic, um, you know, killed it for a minute, but Things are things are back to life, and and my business is now moving into multi-day, you know, higher end experiences, and that has been really fulfillment fulfilling. I love working in travel; I think it's awesome. But I did have a niche beforehand, which allowed me to do that. So that was something that I feel really grateful for, and I think did allow me to um, have have a leg up in some way because I, you know, I am an authority in wine. And so it's easy also for me to command higher prices as well. And I'm not in the race to the bottom. I'm not trying to be the cheapest. So that is one thing I would also recommend if you are considering a shift, don't, don't play that game. Yeah. I'll, I'll echo that. Don't, don't ever do that. Yeah. <laughs> um, Carol, I know you've had a, a career shift. Do you want to walk us through? What yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, I worked in IT for 10 years just after I graduated and I worked in banking for 17 years, then I moved to Egypt and worked in education for five years. It would be, and um, the and then then the company I was working for closed down in, entirely in Egypt just as COVID happened. And since um, the, I'd had this dream for since as, as a not so much to have a tour company, but I I I loved Egypt. There's a bit of a long story, so I'm not going to repeat it all, but. I loved Egypt and I loved um, Agatha Christie especially. And I said to my husband, you know, not very long after we met, I think we should do a tour on this. 
because you know people want to do this and that's what started literary tours in egypt but that was before i that was sort of before i actually went into it full time then the company shut down and i and we decided that not only would we really make a go of literary tours but we would also completely relaunch um the other my husband's other side of the branch uh, other side of the company um for the whole of egypt not just the literary tour side um so it's what i would agree with with similar to caroline actually not so much that i had a niche but i had um excuse me 32 years worth of commercial experience you know in, in huge companies that has really stood me in good stead in in doing this in in what i would call i mean banking has its issues but there are in some ways that i got a really good grounding in the right way or the best way to do things you know like financially and all that kind of thing but oh my god it was a baptism by fire going moving into the tourism sector it it really was and and i i, I well i still do but i spend a lot of time thinking oh my god i know nothing you know i know nothing literally but actually I, I think i know nothing but i don't because of course i have been a tourist to lots and lots and lots of countries which really helps but but again like i i also would never go well this is what i keep saying to everybody my family my team everybody that we we cannot fail because i am never ever going back to work for anybody else again as long as i live it's, amen <laughs> yeah, it's got yes. to work it, it, I'm extremely yeah. motivated yeah. to make it work for, for that reason amongst many others yeah absolutely preach <laughs> and Zakia do you want to talk about your um, work transition your career path I think um, yeah so I had worked um, previously in not-for-profits um, within um, international development and in the homelessness sector in particular. And I guess my story is a bit different because I really wanted to continue working on that and supporting people and keep on supporting people. But I also personally loved travel and realised the value that it was bringing in my own life as um, as travel was a big part of my work, you know, um, and of my life for a long time for seven, for seven, loads of years you know I was away from my home seven months a year something like that so I was like I'll combine the two <laughs> that's what I'll do and then started um, Invisible Cities where we work with people with a lived experience of homelessness to become guides so not only did I start a business but I also started this very weird hybrid not-for-profit with a tour company you know so trying to make money which I absolutely you know love what you're saying Caroline we do need to make loads of money but even more so when because we use the money for us to train more people and things like that so it's even more of a bad word because really when you help the world you should do it for free um, and so it was that kind of double you know issue and also I had no experience in the travel sector I didn't know anyone else who did that in Edinburgh where I am um, and it was so like say for two years um until I was like okay now I can kind of make it and take the, the full-time thing and again Carol you know I can never go back to working for anyone else working in an office absolutely not we've been completely ruined for this but I think 
I found that locally, um, if I'm being honest, this, the the kind of support wasn't quite there because Edinburgh is very competitive. There's loads of walking tours and there was a lot of like, who are you? What do you want? Why are you coming into this space? And I think some of that is related to also who our guides are and what we do. And there was a lot of people were really wary internationally. That was a completely different story. Everybody was really supportive and really trying to help. Um, and I think COVID has really helped with that. People have really come together locally now and are really trying to support one another. Um, so I've, I've found a lot of confidence and support in that local and international kind of sector network, if you want. Um, and learned, yeah, the hard way by making a lot of mistakes and having a lot of 3 a.m., waking up thinking oh my god I'm definitely going to prison for this or <laughs> oh my god I completely forgot to pay this you know whatever the question was um and so I think having the people around you you know who support you day to day with the moral support my sister often jokes whether or not she's going to get paid at the end of the month for all the moral support she still brings um <laughs> to me and um, but, you know, and maybe for me, the, the difficult part was I was never someone to save a penny. So when I left my job, which was in the not for profit, it wasn't I wasn't making loads of money anyway to start with. But I left and thought, you know, I'm going to start something. And then I had to get jobs day to day to pay for my bills. So that was a massive issue, a big risk. And sometimes I think now that I'm in my mid 30s, would I do the same? Would I take the same risk? I don't know, because I think it was a bit, I don't know how I managed to survive it and, and make it happen, you know, for two and a bit years before things starting to be more regular. So it's really exciting, though. And I think um, that mentality oh, it absolutely has to work um, is still there. But it's definitely difficult to kind of um, navigate um, and 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 especially in maybe in a place like I said, Edinburgh is very competitive. You have walking tours everywhere in the city. So maybe starting in a different place would have been a different story. I don't know. Hmm. Yeah, I think that's a a tough a tough one to guess because every place has its own own little challenges. Um, but yeah, I think you know taking whatever you can from prior experience and and applying it is so important. Um, and you've each like touched a little bit on the challenges of starting in a sector that you're unfamiliar with. But beyond that, that, you know, learning curve, I guess, what were some of the other challenges earlier on? You know, if you can if you can remember, it was a while back for for some of you, but some of the challenges in, in just kind of building a building a business, starting on your own, whatever, whatever maybe stands out. Um, I know Mary mentioned that it was like a side hustle. And trying to double down, and and Zakia saying we're trying to find these jobs to make this work. Like, what what was the biggest thing that you could pass on to someone else that you learned? Recognize that you probably can't do everything yourself, mm -hmm. uh, because and that is that, that to me that's and and outsource what you either can't do or don't want to do because the mm -hmm. and, and aside from the the quotes that I mentioned where I don't think I'd be here without her. The other and uh, um. This is again about you, you Amanda, or, or TMA at least. Literary Tours in Egypt and Mr. and Mrs. Egypt would not exist without TMA. And that's because I made the decision to outsource 
building the website and all that mm -hmm. all that whole stuff because that is absolutely not my I mean I tried and it was not good it just does not play to my strengths I have other strengths so that's that was my biggest decision was I'm going to outsource that and I'm going to use my strengths where I in the places that will be they'll be most needed I, I think that's probably the thing was given one piece of advice that would be so it's, it hasn't just been those things that I have outsourced because I've also done other things but but that bit of it was it was critical. Mm -hmm. I would like to to definitely say that yeah, you cannot have a bad website. It's not negotiable. If you don't, if you can't or don't want to do it yourself, you must outsource it. But if you can and do want to do it yourself, there are a lot of tools that are available to you. You can learn SEO. I do all of it myself. I really enjoy that work. It's it's some of the work that I like about having my own business. But somebody has to do it, and it has to be good. Oh, it cannot yeah. it cannot suck. Yeah. yeah think of websites. I mean, at least for me, I don't have a brick and mortar. So I'm like, well, people invest a lot in that kind of in that same way of walking in the front door, making sure it looks nice, got your little shirt set up wherever. And so <laughs> I kind of think of that with the website of like, I'm not going cheap on this, like, we're gonna make sure it looks really great and get all the right pictures and all of and that. And that's functional. It has to yes. be mm -hmm. user friendly for the customer on their phone. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I guess for me, just starting out, I would just say like, just generally, I think, you know, we've touched on probably women being underestimated, whether in this episode or not. But I think like, walking in the front door of all the restaurants and being like, hey, guys, guess what we're gonna do? And just like, just needing them to take us seriously was a big deal. Mm -hmm. um, and so we like, you know, we got our logo and we got our business cards all made up before and we didn't make them really cheap. We made them nice. Like just anything you could do that was those little touches that people were like, oh, this is a real thing, you know, and just, you know, I think that was for us a big hurdle. Like, I mean, restaurants are kind of hard to hear back from anyway. So, you know, you have to get them excited about what you're doing. And, you know, most of them hadn't heard of food tours. It wasn't really in the neighborhoods we went to. That wasn't really a thing. And so that was definitely an uphill battle for the first little while. I do have um, something to that effect as well. I think, you know, if you're doing something new, that can be helpful, but it also is confusing. You know, I do, I've been doing wine tastings in the city and not tours. And people call me, they're like, will you take me to the winery? And, I, and I'll do that now for 2000 euros for half a day if you want me, because I'm not, again, racing to the bottom. I, my time is, I just like, yeah, I would way rather work less for more money. And I, and I don't <laughs> mind being the most expensive. Um, but I did kind of have to explain it, but something that, that was very powerful for me, and it's not something everyone has control over, but I, I do want to mention it is that I started, um, it, at a moment that coincided with the women's world cup here in Lyon. And so even though I had no reviews on TripAdvisor and I had barely run any, any tastings, um, I was able to piggyback on that because everybody else was fully booked. So if there is a big event happening where your competitors might be fully booked, you can kind of slip in there at the beginning. I mean, that, that helped me and beg for reviews. You have to explain to people that you need the reviews because it does matter. Even though TripAdvisor is terrible, we need the reviews. You need it on Google. You need it on, you need it on TripAdvisor, copy and paste both places. Say that in person. It is, it is not shameful to ask for that. And especially at the beginning, you need to, and you need to follow up with an email couple days later saying, Hey, hope you loved your tour. Please write me an email. This is how I get business. Love you. Bye. You know, that, that is important. Yeah, mm -hmm. I agree. Absolutely. 
Yeah, definitely. I think the most important thing you have, and that's what to remember, is your name and your brand or, you know, and, and your reputation. So, you know, day to day that things are chaotic, you're starting off, you don't really know what you're doing. It's hard, but nobody else does. And I think that, you know, one piece of advice I got ages ago was if once you start saying it out loud, so talking about your company, saying the name, then it's real. Nobody knows oh. that it's just you in a cupboard trying to do work, you know. Um, and it's I think manifesting. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Well, I believe in that, but I didn't want to go there in case other people thought that was a well, bit. You need um, a vision board. There we go. But I think, <laughs> yay! That's, it's really important. And it goes back to you can make anything look good and you have to make it really good. Um, and, and also to make it authentic to who you are and what you do. Like you say, in Kalainuki, I don't do tools to winery and that's fine, but at least be very clear on that or say, okay, yes, I can, but this is the price and have that authentic voice. Because for us, six, for me, 60 years down the line, what comes back is always that. It's always how, it's not for everybody, but if it is for me, I really like it because the product is the same as what you say it is. The people are the same, voices are authentic, and that's really important. Um, and building your brand is really important. And I really don't think that it comes down to the logo or what color you use. And, you know, yeah, those things are important, but your brand and your identity and your voice, that's what's yeah. important, you know. Um, and because apart from the big brands of the world, I don't really remember anyone else's logo. Like, and some companies I absolutely love, but if you ask me right now to draw what their logos are like, I'd be like, mm, don't know. But I think so, <laughs> and that's worth spending the time on. Um, and I'm really happy that I, I thought so, and I did at the beginning, uh, because it is a lot of work and sometimes it can seem like, no, I want to just do something else or whatever, actually finding your voice in your identity and your brand and, you know, and building that is worth investing every step of the way, I think. Absolutely. Yeah. Love that. Um, I know we could talk about, you know, highs and lows of starting a business, of getting into tourism, of, you know, being your own boss all day. And we probably should separately. Um, when Caroline starts her wine retreats, we can all meet up and do that. <laughs> that <would be> amazing. <laughs> uh, but thank you all for for contributing, for sharing your experience and, and your tips and advice. I hope that uh, this was valuable for especially for other women who are considering a career shift um, and hopefully jumping into to tours and activities to join us. So thank you all. Appreciate it. Thanks. Thanks so thank you. you.